This is Reverend Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from December 13th during a snowstorm. It was an interesting experience, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Somehow, for some reason or another, the words at the end of my sermon got cut off. But understand that it was most likely life-changing, and I will talk to you later. God bless, and see you next week. Six through eight. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. May God bless the reading of, oh, it still goes. And this is the testimony of John, that when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptized. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. I promised myself that when I decided to do this sermon series, basically creating an environment for us to get ready for the coming of Jesus. I didn't realize how invested I was in my experience in Jerusalem and Palestine. And I think it's important to point out that, you know, I was there during their Advent season. So it was in the end of January and all of the Christmas trees were up and everything was still up. And it was like as though... They didn't want to take it down. Have you ever noticed that as a culture, we find ourselves having a timeline in our head as to what we're supposed to do as friends and family as we come together for Christmas season? There were some that in the midst of all of the crazy of 2020 decided that they were going to go ahead and put their Christmas ornaments and decorations up at the beginning of November. So Halloween happened and boom, Christmas lights, Christmas tree instantaneously filled their living rooms in anticipation of Thanksgiving where there's lots of turkey and ham. Have you ever noticed that even as a child, as we get closer to Christmas, you can feel that moment of anticipation? It's kind of fun watching it from my 11-year-old's perspective. I watch him as he anticipates 
the new thing for each day as we get closer to Christmas. I watch the anticipation that he has as he looks and tries to decide what are the boxes that are underneath the Christmas trees that have been so meticulously wrapped. And are any of them for him? I watch as he puts up the train that goes around the Christmas tree and he designs Lego toys to put inside to drive and steer and be the conductors of this battery-operated train that can spit smoke and makes real lifelike train noises. Oh, what would be like just for a moment to have that type of anticipation for the coming of Christ? You see, it's always weird to me that we set up all of these timetables and these schedules as, as we create these ways of anticipating this joyful experience and we have all of these expectations in our minds of what has to happen in order for it to be Christmas. I remember the very first time that Christmas was disrupted for me. It wasn't when I was a child, it was when I was an adult. And I had a two-year-old daughter. And we were living in Virginia. And there, in Virginia, if it snows or if it ices or anything to that nature, they just close down. Everything. <laughs> I mean, everything closes down until the roads can get cleared. And you see, I, I think that the, the, the Department of Transportation that works in Virginia are prepared, but it's really hard to plow a road that's really curvy and uphill and downhill with this gigantic, you know, 20-ton truck full of salt and sand and whatever else. So you, a lot of the times, were isolated until the roads were cleared. And I remember it was very early on in my existence in Virginia that all of a sudden we started to get snow. And I remember it very distinctly because in Oklahoma, when the weather person called for snow, you most likely were going to get slush. You most likely weren't going to get anything that the weather person said, not because they weren't unintelligent. It's just that Oklahoma just likes to throw us a curveball anytime that we have any weather. You know, like... We're going to get some ice. Not that we're going to have a gigantic ice storm and we're all going to be out of power for a week. So I remember in this congregation, people started calling me and saying, Hey, Josh, we're probably going to need to talk about canceling worship. And I remember at the time going, What? You can't cancel worship? It's Advent. We're preparing for Christ. You guys have snow all the time. Are you not going to drive in this? And they're like, no, we're not going to drive in this. Why should we drive in this? It's not that bad, I remember saying in my head. And then we got three or four inches. And I'm thinking, oh, we should have gone to church. Then we got six inches. And I'm like, well, maybe that's a little bit more exciting, but it's probably not a safe plan. Then I remember us getting 10 inches in less than four hours and realizing that the tires, that the, the snow had come to the bottom of our vehicle. And I went, well, maybe we should have canceled. And we did. 
And being the true Okie that I was, I drove to church the 25, 30 minutes that it normally would take, and I got there in an hour with the biggest grin I've ever had as I got to play in the snow. I had no reason to go to the church, you see, except for just to make sure, right, you always say this, to make sure everything is okay in the building. And you know what was funny? After an hour it took me to get to the church, the building was still standing. And the heaters were still working. Uh, It had not blown away with the winter storm. And then I find myself in 2020. Right now we're having to have worship through a screen. I'm talking to you through fancy technology and all kinds of weird things in order for us to participate together as a community. And I realize that even with all of the weirdness of the season, that at the end of the day, the birth of Jesus is still going to happen. I could take away everything that we have with the storm and the ice and the snow that we somehow got. And the birth of Christ is still going to happen. Yes, I am broken hearted that we can't do the live nativity every single day. We're going to get to do a little bit of it if we have 16 people sign up. And even just for that brief, brief moment, even if we didn't get to have the full live nativity, you know what's not going to change? Birth of Christ in our celebration. You see, I anticipate joy probably a little bit differently. And when Madeline was two and we were ten inches deep in snow, I thought to myself, How is my daughter going to get to have the candlelight experience that I had as a child? I remember that was my favorite part of Christmas, to be in the sanctuary with everybody. Because everybody shows up on Christmas Eve. Even the ones that don't come to the church the entire year. They show up for the Christmas Eve service. A lot of people at the end of their existence base their understanding of what church is off of what we do for Christmas Eve. And the idea of those candles is what rings in their minds and their memories. But even if we're not physically here together, we can still light a candle at home and celebrate the birth of Jesus with anticipation, expectation that the world will be different That we have something to be excited about in the way that John the Baptist was. He was so excited that he went to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. How did he do it? By baptizing people in the Jordan River. Randomly, I might add. (coughs) Away from most of civilization. He knew that Jesus was coming and he prepared the way. And prepared people to be prepared to meet him. Inherited expectation and excitement. What have you done with your own family? What have you done in your own heart to prepare the way of the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior? 
Do you do it with anticipating joy? Do you go and look at the bottom of your Christmas tree and look and see if there are any presents there? Some of us don't put up Christmas trees. So then you might want to look at the people around you, the gifts of God for the people of God that are around us every single day. And are you preparing the way for the coming of Christ? Are you being joyful in those moments of despair and desperation and isolation? I remember very clearly that once the snow happened and the Christmas Eve would not take place and everything that in my world seemed to fall apart, I sat down in our living room with my wife and my two-year-old daughter and my wife says, isn't this beautiful? See, Christmas is not all about all of the stuff. It's about what's inside of our hearts. And to anticipate that joy means that we must prepare the way. And we can prepare the way in lots of different ways today in our world and in our existence. But as we prepare ourselves, are you doing it anticipating or expecting the coming of the Savior? You see, the world can fall apart all around us. We can have ice storms. We can have snowstorms. We can have crazy political seasons. We can have all types of things happen with pandemics and vaccines and people getting and, and infecting one another with COVID at the end of the day. Just as I found as I drove an hour to the church, the building will still be standing there even if there's not a building. The foundation of our faith is not in all of this. The foundation of our faith is right here inside of our
at this place in the worship service, I had some sort of profound, absolutely life-changing uh, moment that I said at the end of my sermon, but somehow it got cut off due to the YouTube and Facebook channel. So turn in, tune in next week to uh, to hear yet once again my sermons uh, presented for my congregation. God bless. <laughs>